welcome to another episode of the More Than A Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Walls, and it's so good to have you with us uh, for another episode of this podcast. We appreciate your support. In this podcast, we dive into life and leadership and also very much Australian basketball where we uh, unearth these characteristics and virtues from life and leadership that our guests have been able to apply to their lives and correlate into their lives from playing the sport and coaching and administrating within the sport at the highest at the highest level. And with me today on the show, I'm joined by a former WNBL champion. Uh, she's played in the WNBA. She's represented uh, Australia at uh, the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games where she's won a silver medal and uh, she's not done a number of great things post-retirement as well. I'm speaking of none other than Annie Lafleur. Uh, Annie Lafleur, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast. Thank you, Dan. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm very excited. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast with me. Um, so first and foremost, it's been 20 years since the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games, if you can believe it. It's uh, very much flown by and I remember that time very well. Uh, you rep- represent Australia um, with, with the Opals at the Games and um, Nodia had some great experiences there winning the silver medal. Um, what are your memories of that time at the Sydney 2000 Olympics? Yeah, look, it's been very interesting because on Facebook uh, there's been a number of posts coming through and Lorraine Landon, who's uh, very much, who is still very much involved in basketball uh, in Australia, has been posting these uh, photos and stories, which is great. Um, But I I think for me, uh, growing up in Sydney um, and having, you know, my friends and my family there to actually go through the actual event with me um, is something that I'll treasure um, to be up on the dais, uh, mm. receiving my medal and looking into the crowd. And my son, who was four at the time, was jumping up and down on his seat and mum was crying, as Islander women do. So yeah. it was actually nice to be able to share that journey uh, with a number of people, um, which was, yeah, which was fantastic. Yeah, it was definitely a highlight for the country, that's for sure. It just unified the country in ways we've never seen before. But um, for me, uh, I think I remember going to see you guys play. That was our first event that we went to, um, to watch the Opals. And, and then that was followed by watching the Boomers a few nights later. And as a 12-year-old watching that, I made or harvest the dream in that moment that I wanted to be on that court one day playing at Olympic Games. Didn't quite make it. My dream sort of shifted to playing professionally. Didn't make that. But I, I had some great fun along the way. And um, I learned some great life lessons from the sport. Um, so... Um, for you, playing a sport at the highest level and still involved today, uh, what are the, some of the key life lessons that you've taken uh, from your time playing the sport at the highest level? Yeah, look, I think that, um, you know, as a young athlete, you know, I did all those individual sports, but what really basketball, I think, did for me was to help me learn to be around other people, to work with others, Um, it's about having, you know, that same goal and doing your best to help your team, um, you know, be as successful as you can be. Mm. Uh, The work ethic, you know, my my son who's 25 right now is uh, in in, in trying to get through basketball, you know, Mm. but it's it's just understanding how much time you have to put into it and uh, prioritising and and those types of life lessons, um, I think it's really helped define the person that I am, especially in my role um, today and my role as a mother to, um, to, my, to my son who's now an adult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just in terms of uh, my dream and harvesting it, I guess, what was, we'll come to, I want to touch on um, your son in a moment, but um, 
yeah, where did it all start from you? Like, where did you first harvest that dream of playing professionally? Excuse the little mower. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like he's back. He's back. Uh, to be honest, I I was good at sport. Um, at the age of eighteen, I may have thought I could actually make a career out of it. Um, so with that. I was naturally talented and, and I look at my son now who's not naturally talented so he has to actually work a lot harder than what I had to do back then. Um, but, you know, just seeing those pathways and being part of those pathways um, was something that kind of got me on track. And then also having the right people around you to help you um, with those dreams is very important as well. You do have to have mentors um, and I was very fortunate to have you know, a couple that were in my corner that helped me get to where I where I got. That's great. Um, I had this question later on, but since you brought it up, I'll ask you about it because for me, mentoring is so important. I've had some great mentors in my life, not just in basketball, but in life in general. So, uh, within your role now with the um, with FIBA, obviously that's a big part of your role, uh, developing young players and mentoring them. What makes a good mentor, first of all, and um, yeah, how important is it to have mentors, not just in basketball, but in life in general yeah look I think with mentors it's not really you're not telling people what to do um, it's about providing some advice some suggestions um, it's about being a good listener um, and really trying to understand how you can help um, so I think you know with mentoring like in our role in FIBO Oceania like we're not just developing players um, you know there's so many different components there's referees there's coaches administrators, um, but it's providing them some opportunities to grow. Uh, so it, as a mentor, it's just understanding, you know, what is best for that person. It's not going in there and telling them what to do because that's not going to help them at the end of the day. Yeah, that's great. Um, and with your role with FIBA, um, how did that come about? Obviously, post-retirement, but... Um, Developing young talent, you've got an opportunity to go around Oceania, I guess, and um, to your, I guess, where you grew up or were born in Papua New Guinea as well. Um, yeah, yeah. What are some of the experiences you've had with that? Yeah, look, I think I'm, I'm very, I was very lucky, I think, to, to, not to get the job. I think I was the right person for the job and mm. I was just in the right place at the right time. So I actually started with uh, FIBA Oceania back in 2013. Um, I was, I moved back to Australia in 2008 and tried to get back into basketball, mm. uh, but there weren't any jobs at that time. So I ended up just working for a financial advisor and, you know, working for him for four years. My son, who was living with me at the time, then moved to America to live with his dad. Mm. Um, so it was time for me to move on from that job. It wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, I was at Alexandria Basketball Stadium on a Wednesday night, ready to play my social basketball competition. <laughs> And uh, Judy Smith, who was the competition manager for FIBA Oceania at the time, was there to watch her daughter play. So we actually started talking and she then started telling me about the work that she did. And I was like, you know, do you have any jobs? And she was like, we have four. And I was like, can you tell me about them? So to make a long story short, you know, I'm here today. Uh, I was brave enough, I think confident enough to ask her that question. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been a fantastic journey. Um, you know, in our role, I work in sport development. So we are, you know, players, coaches, referees, but we also work in the sport for development area. And that's, we're using basketball as a tool for social change. 
Mm. Um, so we have a number of uh, really amazing programs um, in our islands. And it's not about just making better basketball players. It's also about helping to make better, better people, better humans. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're, pretty, we're very proud of the, of the programs that we're running. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's also been a bit of a passion of mine. I haven't been able to do that. But um, you look around the Pacific nations and um, they're just such talented sports people. You know, look across multiple sports, rugby league, um, union, whatever the soccer the case may be, there's talented sports people. It's just a matter of getting them the, I guess, the equipment, the resources, the coaching, the mentoring into those places. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, from your experiences taking um, basketball into these countries, uh, which nation have you been most surprised by in terms of the development of the sport over there? Yeah, look, I think that, um, I mean, you've got Guam, who's a US territory. So they have a number of players that have gone through the US system. Um, they're ranked third in Oceania um, in the men's uh, division. Um, then you've got Fiji. Fiji have mm. been a country that we've worked with um, closely uh, through our Sport for Development program since 2014. So there's been some resources, financial um, support from the Australian government that's gone into Fiji. So we've seen a big growth in, in their development, uh, both in their men and women's programs and their junior programs. So, you know, there is opportunity. There are lots of talented athletes and you've seen that, um, you know, in other sports, in rugby and in, in uh, netball, you know, you, you see a lot of these athletes from the Oceania countries getting opportunities there. So that's something that we're trying to also um, look into, you know, do they have opportunities to come to college in Australia or play in the WNBL or the NBL? Um, so, yeah, that's something that we're working on with them at the moment. Yeah, that's great. Great to hear. Um, well, let's dive into your career. Um, I'm just interested to know a bit more about uh, your career. You had a great career, three championships with the WNBL with the Sydney Flames and Panthers, as they were called for a season, I think. Yeah. And had some great memories there, no doubt. WNBA with Washington Mystics, Minnesota Lynx. Uh, let's start with the WNBL first. Um, obviously, where it all started for you, the WNBL. Um, yeah, what were some of your uh, great memories playing in that league? Yeah, look, I think '93 uh, was our, the first championship that we won, and we had such we had a gun team. We had Carrie Graff, who was an up and coming um, coach. Uh, I think she was actually the same age as me, you know, when she was coaching us and she had, we had Robin Ma, Shelley Gorman, we had Trish Fallon, so Karen Dalton. So a number of Australian Opals already. Um, so I guess the memory for me would be, it, it was the, it, it opened the door for me into the, the Opals. So mm. playing with players that were such great, I mean, they were great role models. Um, their work ethic was amazing. So just being around that every single day and, having Tom Ma, who was the coach at the time there, watching our games. And it was, it was nice to actually be in an environment where you were pushed uh, to become the best that you could be. And mm. I think for me that was a time when I realised that I could actually make a career out of basketball, mm. um, have that opportunity to get my foot in the door with the Opals and then kind of see where it led me. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that would probably be... Uh, a highlight. Um, the other one was then becoming a single mum mm. and having, you know, Robin Ma had kids, Trish Fallon had kids. So having people around me that kind of helped, um, I could still be, be a professional athlete and mm. have a child and have the support to actually continue 
um, to, to do what I loved. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm not sure if you had um, Bill Tomlinson as a coach for a while. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because I remember I interviewed him. He coached me as a young kid as well and had some great uh, opportunities being coached by him. But I interviewed him and he said that was one of his highlights of his career, just um, coaching in the WNBL, mm-hmm. you guys at that level, he was had some great fond memories. So it must have been a special. Well, we won. Time. We won a championship with this. Bill. Is true. It's always fun when you win. <laughs> That's right, and we were we were in Adelaide actually when we won that. So we were away, um, and again, you know, fantastic team and mm-hmm. uh, good people around that really, you know, put in the work um, to 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 get us that championship. So no, that was an amazing time as well. Yes, and I hear you had the nickname Flash. Is that correct? And how did that come about? I did have the nickname (laughs) Flash. That was a long time ago. But uh, actually, Carrie Graff gave me that nickname. Um, And something, you know, I mean, look, I was quick. Um, I was fast. And that helped me. That helped me uh, in my career. And, um, yeah, yeah, I was very, I was blessed with that, with that talent. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, last time I interviewed you was a number of years ago when I was at uni doing my journalism degree. And, at that time, basketball in this country wasn't going too great. Um, so you played in the era where, you know, they would say it would be the golden era through the 90s. And, um, you know, the WNBL played before the NBL and there's sort of great uni- unity there in the sport. At the time, I interviewed you back then. I think it was 10 years ago now. Time flies when you're having fun. But, um, yeah, you mentioned the importance of uh, the NBL or basketball in that country. Um, growing the sport, uh, the sponsorship bucket, I guess, and getting the money into the game that way. And you also mentioned at the time the separation with the WNBL and the NBL was a healthy thing. Do um, mm-hmm. you think much has changed in the last 10 years that I've uh, seen you in? I spoke to you about that. Unfortunately, no. Um, but, I mean, look, you look at the NBL and, and they have, I mean, both leagues, uh, they're, they're, they're competing with... Mm. When you look at Australia, yeah, we're such a big country, but we're competing with lots of sports that are more popular than us. Mm. Um, So it's just about trying to create a product um, that sponsors are going to want to be a part of. Mm. Um, So I know both leagues are in the process of doing that right now. Unfortunately, COVID is really, Mm. you know, it's, it's created, and that's another story, you know, that's created a lot of issues, but... There, there are some good people in place trying to get basketball back to where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we just need to watch this space and, and see how it, how it all goes. Absolutely. And I think it's made some great inroads since that time. I mean, it was on its knees. Mm-hmm. So um, just thankful the sport is where it's at today. Yeah, um, I mean, look, we've got some fantastic players. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Um, you yeah. know, there's some players making some good money because they are good. We have developed them in this mm-hmm. country. And they have that opportunity. It's just yeah. how do we, you know, keep them here? Well, how can we keep those players in this country and, you know, continue to raise the profile of the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, that's the truth of it. We've always developed great talent. Talent's never been an issue. It's been the off-court side of things. So, um, yeah, hopefully there's some more growth in that area. Um, but let's talk about the WNBA. Had some great seasons over there. Obviously the pinnacle for any player. Whether that's NBA or WNBA, two of the greatest um, leagues in the world. Um, again, what was that experience like playing the sport? Yeah, look, I can remember. So my first season, it was one that was interesting. Um, didn't get to play a lot, and I was actually there with Trish Fallon. So again, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, Trish was going to be drafted by Minnesota, and the coach saw film of her playing. 
Um, her agent became my agent. You know, we were lucky to be in the same place together because it was a bit of a challenge, mm. um, just getting used to the systems and um, the expectations. And mm. so it was a foot in the door. Mm. Um, the following year uh, was the Olympics, so I set out, but then got traded to Washington where Tom Ma was the coach. So mm. understood the system. Uh, so I kind of fit into that uh, fairly uh, quickly, fairly easily. Um, it was amazing environment to be in, very professional, um, treated well, um, and, you know, played with some of the players I'd played against in the national team. So it was, mm. I had some great friends um, out of those um, experiences. But definitely, you know, Washington, we had an average of 16,000 people per, a game. Wow. You know, and we won the um, attendance for the three years that I was there. So mm. it's nice to be a part of a, a, a city that really embraced um, women's basketball. So, yeah, mm. it was just it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, no doubt. And we've seen so many great players play in both leagues, I guess, uh, making that transition to the WNBA. Um, Lauren mm. Jackson being number one there. Um, uh, in terms of the quality, not the quality, but the, the comparison between the two leagues, um, uh, women's basketball in this country has been at a high level for many years now. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't get the crowds or the sponsorship dollars that WNBL make, but what's, how's it compare in terms of on-court talent? Oh, look, I think the talent's, talent's similar. I mean, yeah, you've got some players that are outstanding in the WNBA, um, but... You know, as far as just the rules, you know, some of the rules are different, but there's so many talented players in Australia that I believe could definitely make a mark in the WNBA. Mm. Um, like I said, you know, we've developed some amazing uh, players in the country and, you know, given the opportunity, uh, they could easily transition into the w WNBA. Mm. That's great to hear. Well, it's fingers mm. crossed for some of these players. Um, yeah. Let's... Talk now about retirement. Some of the um, guests I've had on the show, I've had Jason Smith, I've had uh, Jeremy Kendall, some you know, past and present players, but I've spoken about retirement and the importance of, uh, I guess, getting that right, that transition right. Um, and some, you know, look, look across all sports, some have really struggled with retirement, having a day-to-day -day routine and struggled with mental health as a result. Um, yeah, how, how did you cope when you finally made that decision to retire and... Um, yeah. Yeah, what was that like, making that transition? Uh, look, I'll be honest and say it was hard because, you know, being a single mum too, it's like, mm. oh, my God, you know, now I've got not just me but I've got a child that I need to think about. So I was actually trying to live in the States and get a green card. Um, so while the application was in process, I was able to work um, in the States. So from, you know, when my career ended in 2004, I lived there till 2008 and I was lucky that the school that I was working in were trying to sponsor me. Um, so, you know, through trying to get a green card, it didn't end up, so long story short, it didn't end up working out. Um, so I moved back to Australia and, again, tried to get back into basketball because that's what I knew. You know, I didn't have a degree, didn't go to uni, so it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Mm. So I think, you know, at that point, um, the res I, I was resilient enough, I think, you know, Come from my background, I was able to find a way, but I can see how people could get struggle mm. if they weren't resilient. You know, if there wasn't that support around them, they would they would really struggle. So mm. I was lucky enough that I could I, I was able to find my way. You know, I 
like I said, I just had to get a job just to support my son and I, and then being lucky enough to get back into, you know, basketball and working for FIBA. You know, I, I do hear lots of stories um, about, you know, players that have struggled and, and I, I think that we are trying to do add a component now to help past athletes, past players. Hmm. Um, for some, it's a little late, um, but I think for the players that are coming through the system now, I think there's more opportunities for them to, to, to get some help. Yeah, for sure. And I, that was my second question out of that, I guess, in terms of your role and development mentoring, how important is that transition? I guess, you know, when you come in playing, you know, I experienced it at a young age, like you're starting to make teams, but you never really think about finishing up, I guess, or um, no. what life's going to look like post-basketball. And for some, it becomes, and I know it was for me, basketball became a big part of my identity. So when it was taken away, I was sort of lost trying to figure out meaning and purpose in life. So um, how important is that from a mentoring point of view, helping athletes realise they need to start planning for that time? Um, but also finding their purpose and meaning outside of sport or basketball. Yeah, look, I think, and, and being working with Fever, I know there are a few global programs um, that, um, well, they're trying to be globalised where you're giving athletes an education, you're helping them with an education so that after they stop playing, you know, especially if they haven't gone to university, that they have something that they can use because, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at my son right now. He's just moved back to Australia. He's been to college. And it's like, well, you don't have any experience and no one wants to hire you. So how do you get experience? You know, mm. so it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult time for players transitioning from playing to working, especially yeah. if they don't have experience. So um, like I said, you know, FIBA are trying to put in some programs that will help um, in that area with athletes. But, I mean, that's not going to be for everyone yeah. um, you know so how do we work with others and uh, I, I guess it is just being a, 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 you know someone to listen to uh, ha having that ear out for, for people that want to talk about what can they do um, mm. I, you know I've received a couple of emails from people asking for opportunities and fortunately in our office there aren't any we do have internships um, that we could uh, that are you know each year so how, will that help them I think, you know, having an, doing an internship with FIBA, that's great on a CV. So if we can yeah. help someone out that way, then, um, you know, we're, uh, we, we will look into it. Um, so mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It's a tough one. It's a tough one because, you, you know, you want to be there for everybody. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know how that can be for, mm. for a lot of people. Yeah. No, it's great to hear. It's good to see there's some, um, yeah, pathways and programs in place. I think it's really important. Um, yeah, just finishing up on your career, um, culminated in a New South Wales Basketball Hall of Fame honour in 2017. Uh, you were in some great company there. I think Lorraine Langdon's also in the Hall of Fame. What was that like, um, receiving that award and coming? Oh, look, it's that? nice to be recognised um, by, you know, your peers and it, it, just being in the in the room and, and being recognised, you know, it was it was hard work and... I think, you know, when you get nominated for those things, it's nice to know that people actually have appreciated what you've done. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, it was a, it's a wonderful honour and um, hopefully, you know, I can continue to, to give back to basketball. You know, basketball did a lot for me, mm. you know, and uh, being a young girl, I started playing when I was 14 mm. and played basketball because it was my happy place, you know, so... 
to 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 be recognised like that was is pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. I think as a to the point about uh, identity in the sport, obviously uh, being a mum takes precedence over anything, I guess. And um, yeah, your son's uh, making his own way in many ways. I've seen some articles pop up, and you've been sharing a few things here and there. So, um, how proud of you? Uh, how proud of him are you? And um, yeah, what's his um, progress looking like? Yeah, look, I'm I'm proud of Adrian. I I um, he he is playing basketball. He's playing uh, QSL one uh, up here. Was supposed to be NBL one, but because mm. of COVID, um, he's finding his own way. Like he's. He, he got interviewed by the Gold Coast paper um, a couple of months ago and they were comparing him to me and his dad and it's like, nah, he doesn't want to be compared to us. And I think that's a lot of pressure yeah. that people put on him. I don't care about the – if he just plays social basketball, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, if that's as far as he wants to go, as long as he loves it. Mm. And my thing was, you know, we just want him to be happy. We want him to – work out what he wants to do. And, and the, you know, what I've been saying is that he's come back here, he needs to find his own path um, and whatever that is, you know, we will support him. No. Um, we just want him to, to want to do something, you know, and if basketball's it, that's great. If it's not, that's okay. Yeah, that's uh, but, yeah, we support him 100% in whatever he wants to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because you do hear of, um, I guess, there is so many connections within basketball and father-sons and, yeah, um, mother-daughter connections. There's a lot of that in uh, the sport of basketball. I did read an article by um, Fox Sports about uh, Mick Schumacher, the son of Michael Schumacher, and mm-hmm. and one of the things that people have been writing about him is he's not like he's he's not as good as his dad, and mm-hmm. it just goes to show like for some reason the world falls into this trap of trying to compare to former greats, and you know they've got yeah. to live up to that expectation. So that's something you've been talking about. Yeah, I think it's really unfair uh, for people to do that. Um, you know, because they don't understand what what drove Andre to be who he is and what drove me to be who I am and what's driven Adrian to be who he is. You know, it's like we just need to accept people for who they are. Um, I don't think we should be comparing anyone to who their parents were. Um, we should just, if they're good people, that's all that matters, you know, and, and that's what I'm I'm all about. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, we could talk all day, um, but we might leave it there. It's um, great to chat with you and reminisce on some of those times, as I said, um, being at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games and watching you girls play and win the – well, I wasn't at the silver medal game, but, yeah, it was a big part of my journey to play the sport and uh, really appreciate the time today on the More Than A Game podcast. Thanks for joining us, Annie. Thanks, Dan.